Welcome to Bad Dogma, where the truth is revealed one podcast at a time. Now here are your hosts, Chris Solak and Mark Rasmussen. And welcome back to Bad Dogma. I'm Chris Solak, along with God's tap-dancing chimpanzee, Mark Rasmussen. And this is uh, our second... Our yeah. second episode with uh, the Kentucky Shaman, Steve Hupp. Yes, indeed. And great first episode. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to try to recap it. If you didn't listen to it, <laughs> stop should. this and go yeah. back yeah, and listen to it. go back and it. listen to that one. And, uh, and so, Steve, uh, we, were, we were talking about uh, just the, the, the basis of, of what you had learned coming out of prison and how that was applying to your, your awakening, so to speak, uh, that these spirits had been guiding you and connecting with you on, and you were very unaware of it for a long period of time, but you then started to become aware and conscious of the, of this connection. Right. But then I went before that, I went through this phase of denial. Okay. okay? You know, where I was still clinging to everything that I thought was true before my awakening, you know, yep. and I was trying, if I put it into real terms, I was trying to be right. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was still clinging to this need to be right. Yeah. And I started noticing these, for lack of a better word at the time, I wrote them off as coincidences. You know, even when I was going through my trial for bank robbery, the day I stood up and just started talking to this federal judge, I'm telling you, a spirit made me do it. You know, looking back on it, because sure. what I said to him, it was all off the cuff. And I got this hanging judge to start laughing. And that is really the pinnacle point where he had mercy on my dumb ass. Wow. You know, wow. because and and so they had been working with me all through it. They worked with me when I got caught looking back on it. I, things would pop into my head that I needed to say to reduce my sentence. And I had no there was no other explanation. You know, the police opened fire on me with a riot gun at 20 feet the day of my capture. I took them on a three hour foot chase. I defeated three dog teams. I mean. I was cut from head to toe and I got unsecured bond in federal court now. And I'm in, So now I'm involved in a bank robbery, shots fired. And for some reason, this magistrate let me out on a signature bond. <laughs> now, at the time, I, you know, I, I don't really understand how it happened. But looking back on it, man, this is the spirits going, dude, we're going to give you another shot. Wow. wow. That's that's I mean, that's incredible. Uh, and this is not the first time that this has happened to no, you. This is like, what is this? Definitely your, a pattern. This is the third time, really, you've gotten a, a pass through some form of the legal system after being caught for doing something. And this bring, and, and, and I'm glad you made that point because I didn't want to do this when I, okay, Guadalupe sent me that two liter bottle when it was gone. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to reach back out to him because I'm still on paper. I don't know what he's got working in South America. It's still South America. For sure. all I know, he's the next, uh, you know, uh, what's one of the big cartel leaders, Guzman, Carlos Guzman. There you so go. I'm not really wanting to, you know, get hooked up with him at this point. Uh, so I got to learn how to brew it. Long story short, during that journeys, man, of the two liter bottle, I struggled, man, because I could not believe I've done acid since I was 13. I've driven tanks down the Audubon on three hits of blotter. I have burned up machine guns with tracer tripping on acid. And after every trip, I was still firm in my atheism. Okay. But with this ayahuasca, when I was done with one session and I went back into it, they were waiting for me and picked up the conversation right where we had left off. And that had never happened to me in a psychedelic experience. Okay, Steve, I got to yeah. ask you the question because you set it up. Who are they? I, at this point, they are the ancients. That's oh. what I call them. Okay. These are so old that you feel their wisdom the moment that you're in their presence. I mean, you feel like a small child. Now, at this time, in this journey, and I'm trying to use words, which is a blunt tool to describe impressions and a spiritual experience. But 
they didn't come at me all, Steve, we're glad you're here. They came at me hardcore. I mean, these were warrior faces and they were all around me and they were looking through me, man. And I went straight into my prison persona They because immediately it blew up in my head. What do you want? That's how they come at me. And I looked at them and I said, I don't want a fucking thing. And that's when they looked at me and they, they just, everything froze. And from there they were like, we think we want to work with you. You know, now I'm using words, but these things are blowing up in my mind in impressions. You know, I don't even know if it was a language. I can't explain it to you. But the long story of a short, we sat there and in their presence and they started becoming softer, for lack of a better word. And when, when I got one of them to smile with a thought, because we were batting back and forth, you know, and I'm like, well, look, I'm tripping, you know, I don't know if you're real. And you go, we don't know if you're real. So what about that? And I mean, this shit's going back and forth like this, and I'm kind of wrestling with it. And during this week, you know, because I went into my garage, I locked the door, I told my wife, no matter what you hear, do not open this door. Because I had no idea where what was going to happen. And you got to realize I had no knowledge either. I looked up on the internet and I seen where they were doing cups. So like a dumbass, I go get a coffee cup. And I pour me a coffee cup of ayahuasca and I bite that down and all the above. And I come out of the journey, you know, the journey comes in waves, you're up and down and I'm blacked out in my garage and there's no music because I have no knowledge. I have no skill sets in this. And I'm telling you, it was it was off the chain. And then I had to deal with, you know, in my Everything I had stuffed, all the people I had hurt, I had hurt a lot of people in my life, and I didn't realize how vicious I really was. And I had to come to terms with that, that I had built me. I had built me through conditioning. I could blame the military if I wanted to, but guess what? This was all me that I had to deal with. And, I, and you know, so I, it also changed that I didn't look at this time in my atheism. I looked at death as the end, and now they showed me that it was the beginning and it death is nothing but transition. They, the, the ancients who I was communicating with at that time. And that's the only word I really know to put on this group of entities that was working with me at this one, at this point. And they were getting across to me that there was so much more. If I could imagine it, you know, if I put it in its simplest terms, and that my beliefs, if I believe in nothing, that's what I'm going to get at the transition. Nothing. Because really, our beliefs is going to create our next experience. And that right there, as I started internalizing this, but man, it took me months to really wrestle with this shit. You know, I didn't talk to my wife about it for a long time. I didn't even know how to vocalize it. You know, it was embarrassing for me to say, okay, I've been wrong for 35, 40 years of atheism, my war on Christianity, on religion, and all the above. You know, I, I, was, I, I was wrong. Now, you see, that's the problem with what I call duality of thought. Because for there to be something good, automatically something bad must be created for good to exist. And to be whole and to come back to these two words just is. That's what I learned to look at everything through that lens, logically. But ayahuasca and my interactions with these entities started to force me to internalize it even deeper to a spiritual level. There is no right or wrong out here. It just is. Where we're at in our development just is. And yes, we've got a long way to go, but man, we've come a long way. And we have, you know, we really have made strides in humanity and they have been painful and they have been brutal at times, but we are trying as a species. And that's another thing I started when they took my country, which is what they did when they made me a convicted felon. And when they, you know, made me a domestic terrorist in their eyes, because I was in prison when 911 happened and they took all bank robbers and declared us domestic terrorists. It didn't matter how how you did it, whether you used a gun or not. That's just what they did. And I had to accept that when I was coming out of prison, wasn't the same world that I went into prison. And man, it was a totally different world when I walked out on the street. I couldn't, 
I had to accept it. I also had to accept that the world was never going to be fair to me again Hmm. because no one was ever going to take this convicted felon status from me. And I could walk around pissed off. It didn't matter how many people I hurt or shot or killed or robbed or whatever. It wasn't going to change that fact. And I had to make peace with it. I had to come to terms with it. And that's, and the first thing I had to do was as corny as this sounds, I had to learn how to forgive myself. I never Ooh. thought I needed to forgive myself. That, that's a big step right there. That's Gigantic. a huge step right there. So many of us, you know, I, my personal experiences, you know, and the things that I've had, that was the biggest challenge for me was actually coming to that point of forgiving myself for the mistakes that I'd made. And the more people that I've talked to, I know, Chris, you, you and I have talked about this on several occasions. The, this seems to be definitely something common in every one of our experiences. You know, this journey forgiveness is an interesting journey in and of itself. But when you come to the point of realizing after you've done everything you can do to forgive everyone you think you need to forgive, and then all of a sudden you're looking in the mirror and you go, crap, there's more to be done here. I got to forgive me for who I was, you know, what I did, Mm -hmm. all of these things. Who I'd built. Yeah, there you go. Because we all build ourselves. Yeah. So how do you turn from that identity because yeah. you've built this identity, uh-huh. you're encountering these entities, and and what are they what are they sharing with you as far as changing that direction? Are they starting to guide you away from what you've built and showing you? Do they start to communicate a better way? Well, what they communicated to me overall was that my entire life had been about this place, this point. Yeah, you know because. I'll be honest, you know, I'm not bragging here, but I'm one hell of a jailhouse lawyer. I have not used a single lawyer in this whole thing. I've done all my own research and applied all my own legal theories. And (laughs) that's amazing. You know, that they conveyed me, you know, your whole life has been only right now. We need you because we need somebody who can who can get this through because mother Wanted out of the jungle. That makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. So, so you were. So it, it's you know it's interesting. No matter, no matter what faith or religion or or we can we can go down this. I mean, even ideologies. Right? Ideology. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Starts to become irrelevant to right. to to an umpteenth degree. I mean, uh-huh. uh, from 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 a from a let's just say a Christian standpoint. Sure. Many are called, <laughs> few are chosen. chosen right? right? Like. You know, but to understand if if you're a Hindu, that it's not about religion; it's about a path, and that path is constantly a variance of the decision. Right. And and so here you are, being given a a I mean some form of celestial entity. I mean, they're and they're saying, "Will you carry this idea forward? Will you will you carry it out of the jungle?" Right. Exactly. Would you see a lot of People were already doing it here, but man, they were so scared. You know, they were scared of going to prison. They were scared of losing this. And the biggest thing that I had going for me, I had nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing. You're the right guy. The government had already taken everything from me. Yeah. But isn't that isn't that about the transcendent experience? Come on. Did did, yep. did did once you recognize that everything that you have in this life yeah, has on. no meaning for the next as far as you're not taking any of it with you. All the all the material things mm-hmm. around you are simply tools and that whether depending on whatever system you believe right. to that that you're going to be judged as to how you use those tools once you come to that place of simplicity the decision becomes so much more simple yes. as far as is meaning and purpose with something higher. Does that make sense? And to I, you? I- I agree with you, and but at that time, I was still struggling with it, and they knew it. And that was, I, I would go to them. I'd say, look, I really don't want to work with people vomiting and shitting. I don't love humanity that much, where I'm at right now. <laughs> and, you know, and I really didn't. You know, I don't want to hear their whiny-ass shit. Right. Most of these people out here has had a hangnail compared to other people I've seen. Right. And, you know, and I'm hitting them with this. I'm talking to them, just, you know, in my mind and in my journey, very similar to how we're communicating right here. Sure. Right. And they just keep coming back to me, Steve, you can do this. 
You really can. We're and you know what? They took care of it all. We do ceremonies. I, my first facility that I had had one bathroom. It was an open metal building, and there was no ventilation. There wasn't no fart fans in the bathroom. I would have as many as eighteen people in there puking, shitting, and there wasn't one smell. No one gagged. Wow. I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing yeah. you've ever seen. It's like the medicine takes care of it all. The entities take care of it. It's the least obtrusive thing in the whole stuff. But at that time, I'm imagining people doing the exorcist across the room, you know, and everybody, sure. Steve, do you have the answer? I don't even have my answers. And, you know, at this point. Sure. And, but. They guided me one step at a time. And I remember the first people I worked with. I went and found some of the hardcore drug addicts I could find. So that way, if I killed them, no one cared. And, oh, you know, and I literally, this is super, I mean, this is going to sound awful, but I can't help it. I mean, I would carry cocaine with me. So if they died, I could leave some in the motel room and climb out the window. I mean, that, that was my plan. And I would rent the stuff and fake names and I treated it just like a crime. No one knew me coming in or out. I would turn my websites on and off. I mean, this went on for the first probably three years. <laughs> so so you're hedging your bets is 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 <laughs> so to speak. It's like I hope this works, but if not, we've I've got a whole plan in, in, in place. Uh, with your with with your legal acumen at this point, yeah. I wouldn't have had to. I wouldn't. I would think you wouldn't worry about it at all. Like you're like ah, and it, no. I mean, at this point, that's that's what's worrying me is my legal acumen. I know how quick the government can spin this sure. the other way. Of course, I know how. I know how the FBI or they can take a kilo of cocaine out of their evidence locker and use their lock picks and put it in my office and guess who's going away. Yeah. They can just yeah. plant it on you and, and bye-bye Steve. Yeah. That's so, so you're, so you're taking, and I want to get to this cause this is cause you, and you just mentioned it. It's the blind step that, that and you said you weren't, your awareness, your understanding ha hasn't, uh, is, isn't really evolved at this point. And, the reality is, is yeah. that as as they give you steps, and you blindly trust them and take these steps blindly, I'm gonna guess there's some revelation in that process that starts to open the egg, so to speak. It, it had to have started to to open things. You're learning things as you as you're having each one of these ceremonies. You have to be. None of these things are gonna be the same. Everybody's coming from some different place. So you're you're building evidence on an experiential level at this point, correct? In my immature mind, you're exactly correct. But what's really happening here is a two-way street. Of course. I'm learning to trust them, and they're learning to trust me. Yeah, there you go. Relationship. Yeah. We're building a relationship. Yep. Exactly. Yep. And I didn't see it at that time, but that's what's happening over time and ceremony. You know, and things that are happening, man, I've seen things that trust me. If I put it on film, you would think I'm doing an exorcism in uh, some ways. Uh, it's how spiritually charged it is. You know, um, yes, it, there's we have paranormal activity around us all the time. TVs will turn on and off. We got one entity we call Tina. She's a jokester. She, she'll make it where my medicine people can't turn a light off. I'll walk in the room and the light will go off. I mean, they're clowns. The universe has a sense of humor. It and does. there's millions of entities out here. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. millions of spirits and some of them haven't come through this realm yet. And they're scared of this realm. Imagine what you're, they're seeing on the other side of this little blue sphere. How many people do you think has left this planet scared, full of hate, full of fear on their deathbed? And, you know, what do you think is the energy going out? Right. Right. Yeah, I mean that's and and it's funny you it's just funny yeah. you say that about entities and oh, things yeah. because 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 <laughs> Mark and I went on a little mission uh, to the Midwest this past summer and and yep. so uh, he quarantined he quarantined at at my place because we traveled together and so for fourteen days and and I was telling him I was like you know a lot of my daughter's toys they like to turn on with the sounds off and and so we just put one in the middle of the. Uh, 
in the middle of the kitchen one night and just said, hey, yep. who wants to come and play? And we played for, what, about an hour? Yeah. Fun and hour. so, you know, it's, it's, you know, depending on your, your, your activity level with the other side, uh, when there's a sensitivity and awareness and a respect, uh, mm-hmm. there's communication. There's communication. And, and it, just like most people would be freaked out, Steve, that their TV's turning on and off and, yeah. and that you, you're actually communicating with an entity by name that, oh, she's a bit of a prankster. You know, for, for some of us, that's, that's, that's actually, those are, if it wasn't happening, we'd be kind of disappointed, wouldn't right. we? Yeah. Because it's, it's evidence. It's, and you've mentioned mani- just a manifestation of, of, the, of the communication that exists. Right. And if you're open to it, uh, there's a lot to be learned. There's a lot to be experienced, and some of it's, some of it's about frivolity. Some of it's about joy. Some of it's, a, some of it would be what some people would consider a bit of nonsense, but it, but it's, but it's relational. And I think that's maybe one of the things that if people were to start to understand, there would be la- there would be a, a far greater lack of fear of what is on, uh, on that other side. What is waiting for us? And one of the things they kind of hammered into me at this point, you know, because I'm still in this duality of thought, you know, I'm raised in a Christian state. I mean, I was raised by Southern Baptists. So I had a concept of devil and demons and all the above. And that was one of the first things they brought to my attention. Steve, no matter how fast the light travels, the darkness is there first. If that were the case, Steve, if that were the case, then they would say that the devil was there before God. Am I am I am I going crazy in that in that mindset? Didn't say, God create the devil? That's what I'm saying. So in 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 is so if the consciousness of God ceased to exist, the devil would cease to exist. So so which one is greater in that in it which, that's a that's a contrary belief system to everything and anything I know about Christianity. Um, exactly. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a very Christian, conservative Christian area. There's literally 10,000 <laughs> yes, churches yes, in our county. Christian churches. Yep. I had a minister come up to me. I won't mention him here, but <laughs> I had a minister after the show aired and all the above. And he was, you know, and he was like, man, I, I don't think this is a Christian thing. And, you know, I said, <laughs> no. well, I said, you know, sir, let me put it to you this way. Okay. Jesus died a convicted felon and so will I. Jesus, there's a lot of things that me and Jesus are very firm and we're, we're cool with. One is love each other, forgive ourselves, forgive each other. And his message is incredibly simple. But you know what? I never hear his words from the pulpit. I hear man's words. Yeah, yeah. And that's the and religion I hear man aspect. agendizing his words. Yeah. And, you know... I think I think Jesus was the greatest shaman in the world. I really do. You know, and if that's a savior, that's a savior. I can go with that. No problem. But I also believe Jesus would have accepted all of us. I I would I would I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that that that, that what it, his focus, the focus of Jesus at least by the accounts we have in the gospels was the fact that that he came to drive away darkness. To, to teach people truth in, in a universal sense and to heal, to actually make sure that, that, that the wrongs of society and the wrongs of, of, if you will accept, a fallen nature, a fallen uh, planet, however you want to put that into context, because that's what, that's what they, they spoke of, was to, to simply correct the wrongs by making things right, to, to bring balance back to people by exposing them to uh, that universal truth and through that universal truth to actually set them free of physical and spiritual infirmities. But he never lost sight of the real of this world. And I can tell you that by when he was captured in the garden, Peter pulled a sword and cut off the soldier's ear and Jesus healed it and put the ear back on. Well, that meant his disciples were armed. And they were armed with a three-foot to four-foot hunk of metal, which he didn't hide. So Jesus just didn't didn't rely on God to protect him. He knew he had to protect himself. 
And maybe the disciples at that, and I, I would go as far as to say, maybe the disciples didn't buy into him yeah. as much as you would hope they hope would they have would at have. that point. That's right. There you, there you go. They might have you know, still been on maybe, the fence. <laughs> or the maybe the message was changed over the many times the Bible's been yeah. rewritten to serve different kings. Sure. Well, we know, and and we, we can get into that. Yeah. This is, it's, Steve, if you, people don't get to hear what's going on in between these episodes, <laughs> yeah. but I tell you, we've 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 gotten on a couple of topics that are rocket ships. They literally send this interview outside of orbit. But yeah. that that right there, there is no doubt. Doesn't whether you believe in the scriptures or not that. Just from the Catholic Church standpoint, and this is documented, the Council of Nicaea in 364 AD removed books because they were too Jewish. So right. it's to, to say, and, and the reason that the, the, the canon exists as it, it is yeah. now was put there by Martin Luther, and Martin Luther put it that way because he thought that would be the best, that was the way Jesus would have had it. When the reality well, was the Catholic Church had removed books that Jesus would have had in his Torah at that time. So we don't have uh, nearly the accessible amount of uh, information. And most of it, Stephen, I'm just the, the reason I, I, I even go here is because the books that were removed, uh, the Book of Enoch, uh, we know that the Book of Moses was lost in antiquity, but, but uh, uh, Jasher, which is, which is confirmed in Scripture... And and then the Book of Jubilee, and they're Second all Ezra as well. they're all heavily esoteric. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I just want just to take, highlight that. Let's just take it even a step further. Okay, Christianity really came on board after Emperor Constantine, and Emperor Constantine revived an older religion hundreds of years later that preached forgiveness because it allowed him to put down revolts bloodlessly. Well, yes, and, and to understand that Constantine believed himself to be the son of Apollyon, which if you read, if you read the rest of Revel, you read Revelation, uh, Apollyon's not a good guy, according to oh. John in Revelation. So, and it was it was the flaming cross. He said, "You will conquer in this." He hears a voice that says, "You will conquer." In this image, it had nothing to do with Jesus. It had nothing to do with anything Jesus ever said. It had nothing to do with uh, with with the the early church of Christianity and the and the sect the way, which was what it was actually called, according to the Apostle Paul. No, it was the formalization of really something different under the name of Christianity. And that's why we've seen a, an unbelievably an incorrect imbalance ever since in the name of Christendom, Christianity, Catholicism ever since. And people really get upset about this, but Protestantism is the ugly, redheaded stepchild of Catholicism. Yes. And, and so in yeah. to understand, when we have to be really honest about that, especially from a doctrinal and theological standpoint, there'd be a lot of people that would disagree with this, but it's, it's very evident, like in John Calvin, Calvinist, Southern ba Baptist, anyone calls himself Baptist, he took his teachings from Aquinas. John Calvin was a lawyer, Aquinas was a lawyer. It made sense, um, and it really teaches spiritual elitism and predestination, and it removes free will and all of these things, which is really scary because it, it talks about taking away if, if free will doesn't matter, then violence is permissible because it's been preordained and, 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 and you're not you responsible. Even, yeah. You take it even the big bombshell. Is God racist if the Jews are the chosen people? See, I don't know if God even cares about words like racism, <laughs> right? This is, but you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, that's a plausible argument based on, uh, uh, a, a less evolved perspective, uh, like like we're talking about, that, that exactly. we think racism is this thing, you know, but God may not even acknowledge it. You know, it's it's I mean that's that's a really good point because and to be honest with you, I've not I've not actually contemplated that in 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 deep perspective, but it's but it's true, right? To say that he chose a group of people and everybody else can go kick rocks. But yet we have a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus on the cross of Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. And we know logically he would only been five foot tall with dark complexion, what we would call black. 
Yeah, and and the reality is is that in it I've I've found uh, when people have these encounters, people who claim that they've actually had manifestation encounters with uh, Jesus, it he he is he is very he's very olive skinned, he has green eyes, and he has extremely dark hair, and and nobody has seen a blue eyed blonde haired Jesus yet. I haven't I haven't had an encounter with anybody who's had an encounter with a blonde haired blue eyed Jesus, so exactly. it, it's interesting, and I think that's it, right? That certain religions like to create gods in their own image. He starts to look exactly. more Greek than he does Eastern, and this is why they would remove uh, books that were very Jewish, that were speaking to the esoteric, because it conflicted with their ancient religion that they hid Christianity under. Exactly, and and here's the thing that you, I had to make peace with after of all these conundrums. Jesus exists however Christians think about him whether he was real or not, you have to deal with the construct of Jesus, sure. the thought form, because so many people now have are praying to him as they know him, as they've been told, not what's reality. Well, and, and, and this is, I mean, we're running up against a break here, Steve. Let's, let's take a break. We are talking with the Kentucky Shaman here on Bad Dog. We'll be right back with Steve Hop after this. Now back to the Bad Dogma Podcast, your weekly dietary supplement of truth amidst the Twinkies and Ho-Hos of the media world. And welcome back to Bad Dogma. We are talking with the Kentucky Shaman, Steve Hupp. Yes, and sir. man, oh, it's, it's been good. What you guys are missing in the, the off breaks is, is, is even crazier. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful to have you on here, Steve. Yes, Steve. We're, we're really grateful for you to give us the time and, yes. and, and the energy to tell your story. Yep. And, uh, and so... It, before we went to break, we are talking about you coming into these moments of awakening and the encounters that you're starting to have. And, and so uh, just lead us, lead us back into that from, from your perspective as, as you started to make more contact with the other side and your awareness started to, to expand through these experiences. Well, what I had to really, what really started getting me out of my previous conditioning, mode of thinking, whatever verbiage you choose to put on it, was the coincidences started stacking up and I had to, as I worked with spirit and I, I started accepting this was spirit working with me for lack of a better word. Um, I had to come to terms with what I was thinking was starting to materialize around me. And I had to really, that's when I had to really get in control of my thoughts. And that's when a lot of things started kind of blowing up in my mind. But I want to tell you about, one of my ayahuasca experiences that I had brewed, and this was one of my first brews, and I really didn't know what I was doing. So, so sometimes I would have total duds, and other times I'd have shit that would blow the top of your head off. And, you know, I uh, had to, and I'm the crash dummy because I'm not giving it to people as of yet. Wow. But when I really made the decision I'm going to start giving this to people, was I was in my journey, and all of a sudden, this reptilian form come to me and I don't know how to describe it to you but it was just a reptilian face and you know it wasn't really a snake if you will it'd be easy for me to sell it like that but it was something that I'd never seen before but I knew it was reptilian because it had large yellow eyes with snake-like slits but it was communicating with me telepathically, and I mean powerful communication. What I mean, there was no fuzz. There was no static. It was directly linked into my brain in this journey. And it's sitting there, and it's just laughing at me. And, 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 I, and in my mind, it, it hit me with, you're scared. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I'm not scared. I'm tripping. He goes, no, you're scared. And we understand you're scared. And you should be scared because you're looking at infinity. But it's one step at a time. Take one step with us and, 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 you, and for, make a decision every time. And we're cool with that. But we need you. We want you. And you're exactly where you should be right now. 
And you got to realize at this time, I'm dead broke. I'm living in a house that has fallen apart. Um, don't have a lot of money. We're working. We're making ends meet. We got six kids now between us. She has three. I have three. Lots of pressures, lots of things that I, you know, just lots of things going on. But man, in this journey, all of a sudden, I committed. And I didn't give them full commitment, but I said, okay, we'll give this a try. But if you let me down, you disappear on me, I'm out. I am totally out. I'll throw this shit away and I'll never look back. And they said, agreed. And I didn't know where to start, man. How in the hell do you put this shit on a website or anything? So I made a Craigslist post, this little bitty obscure Craigslist post. Why wouldn't you put it on Craigslist? I think that's a perfect place to put this. Well, I put it on Craigslist, man, because I didn't really, you know, I didn't have any internet marketing. I just come out of prison. It wasn't like I had a lot of online time there. And everything had changed since I went in to when I come out. But I don't know why. I just did it. And, you know, most of the stuff that I do and that we do, we don't know why when we do it. But, it, I mean, I've been in a thousand ceremonies where I said things that I didn't even know why I was saying them. And three weeks later, I get an email back, dude, you were talking directly to me. So in this stumbling process, which is what it is, it still is to this day, you know, um, I'm learning to trust them and they're learning to trust me. And I, I fell two or three times in this because they will blow up your ego to show you how vulnerable you are within your ego. You know, at sometimes I'm thinking, man, I'm the smartest guy on the planet. And about that time, I'll, I'll get blindsided by something that I shouldn't have been blindsided by, but I'm starting to learn this is how they're teaching me, you know. Sometimes it was, I would think, man, a, a ceremony went to shit. And I had to learn to give the other element of time post-ceremony because you can't judge the ceremony while you're in it or immediately after because neurogenesis and many other processes take off in the brain, in the spirit, and the rest of the body that you have to give time post-ceremony. Now, the one thing they have tried to work with others. You know, I'm not the only one. They've only been doing this probably millions of years. But, you know, what they find is, is people will take these gifts and then they want to go build a cult or a harem because a lot of these people are vulnerable. And sexual tension can be a part of a ceremony. You know, sex is one of our prime drives. And it's something that you have to deal with in the ceremony because sometimes you're dealing with people with sexual addictions. And I know this is going to blow you away, but people lie on our applications. No. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I, I was blown away too. Shock. You know, an addict lie. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but you get to the truth, whether yeah. they like it or not, right. don't you? You get in there, you start, That's right. they, they start encounter the real. Young and but then there's times that you don't you don't even know if 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 what you're doing's working. You sure. know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. I've, and and when you first start out, all you know to do is pour more, pour more, pour uh -huh. more. And sometimes that's not the answer. And that's where <laughs> when Terry came on board, she also helped balance my, the program. Terry was a very big part of the success that we enjoy today. I get a lot of the limelight. But the reality of it is I couldn't do this without her. So yeah. so with that, Terry, yeah. we'd like to have you join the conversation. Absolutely. Mama Bear, I mean, I've, I've watched the episodes from Kentucky Ayahuasca. You're Mama Bear. And and so uh, so many of so many of these people have been deprived of love and attention. Um, can you just can you just kind of explain a little bit of like what 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 role you've embraced uh, and, and are you connecting? This is the other question is, are you connecting with the same entities that Steve is interacting with? Let me change places with her so she oh. can sit down here and be comfortable. Okay. Absolutely. Cause this is going to probably take her a minute to answer. <laughs> sure. <laughs> We're here. Hey. Hi Terry. Hello. Hi Terry. How are you all? All Good. right. Thank you. Good. Um, Okay, so 
the role that I have kind of embraced um, has been a lot of them. Um, for some people, I am more, you know, like the motherly figure. Um, for some people, I am more um, kind of the authoritarian. Um, I don't think there's a role that I haven't played. Wow. But it's, you know, it, it, with every person, it's different. And with every person, you have to... Um, some of them, it's very obvious what they need. And some of them, you know, they, you're just kind of like following the breadcrumbs. Um, and that is what I do. As far as the entities, there are so many of them. Um, but yes, you know, Steve and I, we connect with, you know, with some of the same ones. Sometimes, you know, certain ones are working with him and working with people and other ones are working with me and working with people. And, you know, you never know um, which one's going to, which ones are going to be there. You ju you just learn to trust them and, and, you know, know that when they need to come through that they will. So, so do you, do you, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Do you, so how often, how often, uh, do you, do you communicate vibrationally? Do you communicate, uh, you know, through ceremony? Do you communicate, uh, by taking ayahuasca? Like what is, what is your process of, of communication? Is it, is it all of those or is there one that you tend to gravitate towards? You actually communicate through all of it. Okay. Um, there, there comes a point in time where there's no need to drink. Okay. Not, you know, not to communicate. Like they're there, you know, they're there. Like you're, you're you know, in sync. Were telling you earlier, there's, there's times where you're in ceremony or where you're talking to somebody, you know, through an email or on the phone and that, you know, like if something comes out of your mouth and you're like, where did that come from? Like that wasn't even in my brain. And I, you know, like what, what, but, but you know that it came from them, you know, that it was, um, you know, you know, it's the other side reaching through. So, so obviously, uh, you're the boss. We've established that you're very <laughs> much course. the boss. You're very much of the course. boss. You've always been the boss. <laughs> This is this is this was enlightening to, to to find this out, which makes sense because it's the truth is is behind every man, it, great man, right? Is a strong woman, and and seriously on the show, like it was it was, I mean, it was incredible to watch because you guys are dealing, I mean, you guys were, you're dealing with some really messy stuff, some really dark things that people are wrestling with, and and and. You can tell, you can tell those that are really hurting that, that you are, you're that point of contact for so many of them. You're checking in on them. You're, you know, you're, it, I mean, I, I mean, it, is that, is that a role you saw yourself embracing when, when this thing started, when this thing started to evolve and grow? Um, or is this something that you've like become like, like you've expanded yourself? Has this been part of your growth process? Absolutely. Um, you know, honestly, when this first started, I thought he was batshit crazy. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, no, <laughs> like, what do you get? Have you looked at the world? Do you really think people are ready for this? Um, and it was, you know, when we first started, it, it wasn't something that I really understood. Um, in great depth. So it was, it was kind of like, okay, but you know, fortunately I was raised, um, to have compassion for people. Something that I think is really lacking today. Yes. Yep. Um, so, you know, I've always, the, the way that I grew up, I will tell you psychologically that um, 
you know, if you watch someone, the the things that they're drawn to are typically the things that they're t- trying to repair from the past. Sure. They're, they're trying to go back and, and psychologically fix a wound. And so for me, it was always trying to fix people that were broken. Um, so it kind of fits perfectly that that's what I do, but it was, it was, it, you know, it was definitely something that I had to grow into. You have your favorites though. You have to have favorites. I can already tell like that. I, I know. And maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't say that, oh, but, go ahead. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but it's true. Like I can already, I can already tell, I can already tell you, you have, you have people that you attach to very quickly, don't you? Like that, that mm-hmm. you can identify that need mm-hmm. and that you're yeah. like, here I am. That, that yeah. compassionate person that you've been missing all your life, some of them all their lives, you have been positioned by these entities to meet these people where they're at. That's, I mean, that's beautiful. It, it really is. Um, you know, some of it's very heartbreaking. Some, some of the people that have come to us and the things they have been through, um, you know, I, it, it amazes me that they make it as far as to come to us. Wow. And, wow. you know, there are some people, you know, just like with anything else, you know, there's, there's people that you connect to quickly. And then there's other people that, <clears throat> you know, the, the vibes just quite, that they're not meshing. Sure. And, <clears throat> you know, with this, you've still got to try to make them mesh. But, you know, it's, it's all, um, everybody that comes through has touched me in some way or another, whether it's, you know, a very beautiful thing or whether it's kind of a, okay, what can I learn from this? Where could I have done better? Where can I, you know, what, where is my growth in this and what I could do better? What, what do you find to be the most challenging aspect of, of, of growth in this? I mean, I mean, cause you're talking about a complex, you're dealing with people on a very complex level. <laughs> you're, you're communicating with entities, which a lot of people don't understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and you've embraced this. I mean, there's a lot of times, there's a lot of uh, quote unquote religious people out there that where, where the man is the guy or the woman is the woman. And, and there's this, there's, and then there's a drop off. You guys are doing this very much, not only as a team, but as a family. Right. And we, we haven't even gotten into that. Your whole family is involved in this healing process for people. And you've created this, this ceremonial retreat where, where lives have the potential to really change in a very short period of time. Uh, I, I'm just like, as I'm processing that and putting that in the context as we talk, uh, I'm just curious, like, how did that come about when the realization that this was going to be your call, your purpose for this period of time, at least, um, regardless of the show, but the people, because you you all are there for the people. That's who your heart's for. And it's, it's obvious. Yes. Um, actually, you know, the only reason that we did the show was to show the people that come to this are not, you know, a bunch of 60-something-year-old burnouts that think they're still in Woodstock or a bunch of 20-something-year-olds that are just looking to trip balls. You know, we started it to show what a powerful tool this is to show the kind of people that come to it, come to it, you know, from all different walks, from, you know, military vets that have PTSD that they're being told is treatment resistant to, you know, women in their 60s that have endured great trauma that, you know, that nothing has helped with. And, you know, what... When, when I came to the realization that this was really what we needed to, you know, what I was supposed to be a part of, um, after, of course, thinking that he was absolutely crazy. Right. It was a very 
beautiful feeling um, because it is something that is so desperately sure needed. And there's, um, you know, there's, there's, this could help so many people in so many ways where other things are not, you know, people tell us all the time, you know, I've spent years in therapy and, and it's not, I've not gotten near in years in therapy, what I've gotten in two days from this. Do you believe that's because it's rather than focusing on the problem, you're focusing on the solution. I think sadly, um, I think for us, yes, it's because we're, you know, one, we're not looking at it like, how can we keep this person tethered to us? Right. We're yep. look, you know, we, we set up an atmosphere for them to where they can feel completely relaxed, where they do not feel like they're being judged, where they can be completely open and honest. And you know, it, that they, they have the, I, I guess, faith for lack of a better word to yeah. go in to themselves and really look at things that are there. Whereas with treatment, you know, it's how can we keep these people coming back? Right. Right. And one, and one of the things I really enjoyed about the way you guys presented on your website was you, you, you continue to stress the point that this is very much an individual and specific process for each one of the individuals who come to participate, right? You can't yeah. come with expectation. You can't come with a belief. You can't come with, I think I know how this is going to go based on whether I've done a psychedelic or something else in my past or I've had this or <laughs> yes. that or the other. And I think there's the power of what you guys are doing. First of all, you know, uh, clinical tends to group things together, right? We tend in a clinical sense to try to group bodies of people together to try to accomplish a purpose, maybe overcome an issue. And the reality is you guys say, no, that's not going to work here. We really need you to come open just to be you and to accept that the, whatever this experience is, it's your experience. And I think that's one of the most powerful things that I think you guys have uncovered in the process that you're using here that certainly you know, departs from some of the other things we've been talking about. And, and that kind of stuck out to me when you were talking. You, know, you, you continue to stress this is individual, this is specific, this is you. Right. So that's powerful. That's very powerful. And yes, thank you. It, you know, it, that's, that's kind of the biggest struggle sometimes with people is because they think because they are self-proclaimed psychonauts (laughs) that they know, you know, exactly how this is going to go and exactly what's going to happen and they don't have to listen. Right. And, you know, when they get dumped on their heads, and they're looking at me going, what the hell just happened? happened. Like, right. and I'm like, you know, I, I, in the, I will tell every group in our preamble, you know, one that expectation is the mother of all disappointment. Come on. Um, you know, that's just the real of it Two, you know, you have to come to this completely open. You have to be willing to forget everything that, you think you know, and, you know, think of it like you're standing in front of the judge. And the only thing you can say is, is, you know, <laughs> your honor, I'm at your mercy. Whatever you got, here I am. And, you know, to do that takes a great deal of strength. And some people, you know, that you can kind of watch that fear come across their face. But then as we go through, you know, they're they're fine and they do it. But it is very individual specific. You know, we tell them everything you've read, everything you've watched, our show included, like all of it, that is somebody else's experience. Nobody but you has lived your life. Nobody but you has been in your shoes. Like your experience is going to be very unique to you. And they kind of look at you like, yeah, okay. But then after the, you know, even after just the first night and the experience is over, they're looking at you going, man, that is so cool. Like, you know, they're, they're all, they all have different stories. There's common threads, you know, in the overall messages most of the time, 
but their experiences were so incredibly different from person to person to person, you know, and, and mm-hmm. they you can say it a million times and they don't get it till they get it. Right. How many people do you get coming and looking for Burning Man in Greensburg, Kentucky, and then instead they get something so far greater than what they could have ever possibly? I mean, that's what it sounds like. People, There's a lot of people looking for something that kind of fits in this genre, but you guys, you guys are providing so much more right. for them on a much deeper level. Yes. You know, most of the people that we get, and when I say most, I would say, you know, 99% all come with, you know, a fairly good understanding of what it is they're doing Okay. and, you know, have done enough research to know that it's going to be something that is unlike anything they've ever done. You do get the the few who come in, like I said, that are self-proclaimed psychonauts that, you know, they're just like, well, man, what's in this for me? Yeah. And they find out. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, they probably, you would think they would, I mean, I would think people like that would get rocked the hardest. When, when the people that get rocked the hardest are the ones that come to it if they, you know, if they're fighting with the experience. Okay. Um. Or the ones who come in who have the, I know everything, I'm not listening to anything you're telling me mentality. Um, you know, they're, they're, this, this experience demands respect. And if it's not given, it, it can be taken? not pleasant. It can be taken, right? If it's not given, it'll just kind of be taken. It will, you know, I, I tell everybody, I try to be, you know, as, um, completely understandable as possible. You know, I try to make sure I I call it dummy proofing and, (laughs) you know, I try to make sure there is no, no way you can misunderstand what I'm saying. And I tell everybody, you know, if you come to this and you try to take control of it, or you become disrespectful, you know, they will nicely try to get you back on the path. But if you continue to fight and be disrespectful or, you know, try to control, they will beat you against the rocks until you have no choice, but to submit and can't that, that you can't do anything else. So if I'm hearing this correct, Terry, you're telling me that ayahuasca can can literally correct stupid? That was um, a <laughs> fair question. It, 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 I'm not saying it corrects stupid necessarily. It, it, it shifts perspective. Yes, and I would assume it in a hurry too because it's a reality you can't refute. No, no. It, you know, the, it, it's not... You know, everything that they give you, they are giving you for a reason. And you either accept it and roll with it, or you can fight with it. And like I said, it's just going to whoop your behind until you can't fight anymore so that they can continue on unimpeded. Is, is that usually the will or the ego that is, that is, that is its struggle through this process that as you've seen countless people come through yeah it's it's usually the ego you know um it's the ego or you know them we're our own best bullshit artists right like of course we can convince ourselves of anything and sometimes people will convince themselves that they are either ready for something or that they have dealt with something that they have not, you know, just like somebody will say something that, you know, or do something and you're like, Oh, it's fine. I don't care. Whatever. You know, that's fine. Whatever. And you're really not fine. Well, that's, that's, isn't, isn't that the basis of every uh, childhood conversation with your parents? Like, like, you know, (laughs) Like, you, you know, I know, Jimmy, that we've been fighting for the last few days, but when we go out as a family, we're a unified front, right? Don't we, we all put on the face 
And and so it's 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 losing the mask, right? That you can't this is a reality yes. that forces you to be who you are whether you like it or not. Yes, this is this is it holds the mirror up to you and says, "Here it is. This is this is what it is." Boom. And yeah. Yeah. That's not always pretty. No. Mm-hmm. No, it's usually quite ugly. Right. And it, it really can be. Yep. Yet I, I got to imagine that it's, it's got to be incredibly rewarding for you all to to yeah. see that the the change and the turnaround of people mm-hmm. so fast. It really is. Um, you know, one of one of the questions that people ask all the time, you know, is what's it like to do this? What's it like to do this? And honestly, the only thing that I have been able to equate it to is like watching someone give birth. Um. It is just that powerful and that beautiful. And, you know, it's really nothing we do. It's what the people who come in, the work they put into it and what they're willing to, you know, how far they're willing to go. But, but to me, that is, is the equivalent to it is, is, you know, it's like watching somebody give birth. Your humility yeah. is refreshing, but the reality is, yeah. Terry, is that you and Steve and your family right. are doing something that nobody else is doing. No That's one else right. was willing to do. You've paid a dear price to do it, and, and it's yielding a reward for other people because you have sacrificed, and you and your family have taken great risk. Right. And and so, yes, it, it you... you it, I know that it's just with with humility that, that at this point, because humility has gotten you all to where you are, and and that's who you are. But the reality is, is that there are few people in this world. If more people uh, committed themselves to the thought of other people, and and to taking risk for other people in the way that you and your husband have, this yeah. world would be a drastically different place. And for that, uh, I just personally just I know for, and Mark yeah. as well. We we want to yep. say thank you yes, thank to you, you guys because it's incredible the work you guys are doing and how much you guys are loving people, who they are, where they're at, yeah. and with with a hope of where they will will end up, uh, with no agenda, right. no agenda at all except for to love these people and to give them the tool to in which in which to change. And um, man. It, it's it's incredibly powerful and it's a truly inspiring. Yep. Well, thank you so much. I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, you know, it's it, you know the only way to create a better world is through better people. And you know, it, it, this if this helps create better people, this you know. But it's what the world needs. It's what people need. I can't imagine having somebody look at me after, you know, 10 years of prescribing all kinds of crap and saying, what well, you're treatment resistant. You're just going to have to live like this. I can't imagine. Especially when, you, when you've come to understand that there is something simply better available. Yeah. And that's, I think, for most people that that, that disbelief, that disconnection, uh, that that utter belief system in a in a broken psychotherapeutic medical drawn world that says you know uh, you're just gonna have to accept uh, the very the very least the very least and the reality is is that beyond the veil spiritually there is so much more waiting and yeah. and there is so much more accessible but and it's always been there. It's, but it, in in a in a in an increasingly more modern world, uh, there's a lot of us that don't want to accept uh, some of the most ancient uh, realities, and and that is that there are that there is a higher power, and that that higher power that if you reach out towards it will reach back, and if you build a relationship, will re- build a relationship with you. And that there is a healing nature that has always been sewn into the fabric of who we are and who it is, and it's always meant to work that way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you know, and people have forgotten that it's not, you know, a singular higher power. It's not a, you know, you can't define 
that higher power. And, you know, we, we've kind of lost touch with the fact that nature gives us everything we need. You know, somewhere we got it caught in our heads that, you know, we're just so super smart and, you know, we know better than anything. If we knew so damn well, we'd be doing a whole lot better. Well, and some of us just take, 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 take the, their, their own, their own religious beliefs, their own holy scriptures, because every religious book, every major religion in the world preaches that there's divinity in creation. And so it, they claim it on one hand and then deny it on the other creates quite the contradiction. And within contradiction, of course, confusion and people, people getting lost in, in what's being told to them. And, and we've lost that, that sense. You guys are bringing back something that is, that is not new. People think a lot of people think this is new, but it's quite ancient. And, and yeah. I know Steve even referred to the entities as those of the ancients. So yeah. thanks, Terry. That was, that was, that's, it's awesome. What, what you guys are doing. Um, we're running it up against it. We'll have a third episode for sure. Uh, I'm Chris Solak for God's Tap Dancing Chimpanzee. That's Mark Rasmussen. Join us again. Come on for back and see us again. That's episode right. of Bad Dogma. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Bad Dogma, the podcast produced by FBM Productions. Special thanks to our production team, Stephen Hudson, Marcus Bickle, and I'm Barry Hasselman. Bad Dogma. Unveiling the truth, one podcast at a time.